I think it's really important, saints, to, to know that, that we are not preaching or teaching grace as such. Um, we're not, that's not our, our message is really not grace, but our, our message is Jesus himself. And that's, I want to share some thoughts about that this morning because we, we touched on it last Sunday in the class about how um, we're, not, we're not proclaiming a concept. Um, a concept cannot live through you. A person can't. Jesus can live through us. But if we have merely a concept of grace in our heads, you'll find this happening to you. It's already happened to me where you have all this knowledge and revelation of Jesus and the new covenant and grace and being free from the law and all this knowledge. But if you're not letting that knowledge lead you to him, to an intimacy with him, to an awareness of him within, then you can find yourself one minute, one second with all this knowledge of grace and so forth, and the next minute, you know, yelling at somebody and losing your temper. Or one minute, you know, you're uh, just reveling in the, the awesomeness of the new covenant that it was really not between me and God, but between the Father and the Son, and I'm just a beneficiary, and this is amazing. And the next minute, fearful of, of something in the world that happens. You know, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to get my paycheck. I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to lose my job. You know, totally no faith, just totally just like, like God doesn't even exist. And you wonder, like, why does that happen to me? Why do I have all this knowledge... And then yet sometimes I, I, I seem to have the flesh just seems to just overwhelm me as if, what, what, what's the deal? Am I not getting this or what's going on? Well, what it is, saints, it's very simple. It's, it's like this. Jesus said, when he, when he used the parable of the two shirts, he said there was one shirt that had a hole in it, the old shirt. And he said, some people take a new shirt and cut a hole in the new shirt and try to patch up the old shirt. And he says, that's not the way you do it because you... It won't work on the old shirt and the new shirt you just ruined. That teaching was a, a big picture teaching he was giving about the two covenants. That the old covenant has a hole in it. The scripture says God found fault with that covenant because the people could not keep it. And of course, that, they were never intended to keep it and be righteous by their good works. But he found fault with that covenant. had a big hole in it, so to speak. And people who take the covenant of grace and try to harmonize those two covenants and, and have a little grace with a little bit of law is what Jesus says do not do. You cannot cut a hole out of the new shirt and try to mend the old shirt. And, and there's a lot of teaching out there that goes like that. You know, there will be a lot of teaching about behavior modification and what you need to do about what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil, what you should do, how, she, how you should live. And then at the end of that teaching about behavior, They'll say, and we can, all, we can do all of this by the grace of God. It's like lip service to the grace of God. But, but the teaching overwhelmingly is law-based and performance-based with a little bit of grace at the end. that says, And God's, God's grace is going to help you do all this. That's cutting a hole in the new shirt and trying to mend the old shirt. That's not the truth. The revelation of the new covenant is, is astounding. It's, an, it's a revelation of him. It's a revelation of what he accomplished in plunging the entire human race into death and judgment on the tree and raising a new creation by his resurrection, bringing us into union with himself. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing and religion cannot touch it. 
But anyway, the first thing that the Lord talked about with these two shirts, it's a big picture of the two covenants. Don't try to fix the old covenant. Go to the new one, throw the old shirt away, put on the new shirt, basically. The next thing he talked about was wine and wineskins. The next parable or the next example he gives, he gets more detail into what he's talking about in terms of this new covenant. This is so cool. As we all know, he said new wine must be placed into new wineskins. The new wineskin, saints, the new wineskin is the mind being renewed to this whole thing concerning the mystery of Christ. The mind being renewed to this, this whole way of thinking, this new way of thinking. The wine is the very life of Christ himself. So what happens is the Spirit of God is renewing our minds so we can contain and distribute the life. If we let the wineskin be the focus, we lose sight of the wine. You see what I'm saying? In other words, the wineskin, the new mindset of this new covenant, this awesome grace, this, this um, way of, of thinking that all is Christ and Christ is all, this way of thinking, that in itself is just the wineskin so that we can contain him so he can flow through us because our minds have been renewed to this new and living way. See? So as the Spirit renews our minds to this new, new way of thinking, and what am I saying when I say a new way of thinking? Well, a lot of people think that the Spirit of God renews our mind and that the main work of the Holy Spirit is just to teach us, you know, what's good, what's evil, what's bad, what's good. You know, the Spirit's renewing our mind to tell us that's sin, that's not sin. No, that's not even close. The Holy Spirit is not given to teach us about sin. The Holy Spirit is given, us, given to us to teach us about God. The Spirit has been given to show us the deep things of God, the scripture, the scripture says. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? So the Spirit has been given to us that we might know the thoughts of God. So we know how God thinks, how he sees things from his perspective, see? So when the Spirit comes, we, we come to this understanding of who he is. And saints will never understand who we are in him until we see who he is. That's what happened with Peter when he said, you are the Christ you are the son of the living God by revelation of the Father. It is at that moment that Jesus said, and you, Peter, are a rock. See, we come to see who we are when we see who he is because he is in us and we have been created new in him. So anyway, the wineskin wine is, is this work of the Spirit to, to build in our minds this way of thinking. And it's, it's, it's oh, so powerful um, I pray that I can, can articulate what I'm trying to say here because we, we have this tendency, it's a natural tendency to, to um, latch on to concepts, information, and not to engage him, him within. Remember what Paul said? He said um, in Galatians Let's see, Galatians chapter 1, verse 16. He said, in the fullness of time, God revealed his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. 
Galatians 1.16. God revealed his son in Paul. One of the main keys, I believe, saints, to, to having a, a, a focus on Jesus himself, on preaching him, is to get the revelation that he is inside of you. And that he is all things to you. Because when that really penetrates us, in, in us, we, our message is him. See, grace is in him. Be strong, my son, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, grace is in him, but it's not a separate commodity. It's not a concept. It's all in him. Um, Paul says we don't just get peace from God. Ephesians says that he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Why? Because we're joined to him. As he is, so are we in this world because we're joined to him. As he is, so are we. We don't just get righteousness as a separate concept apart from the Son. No, we're righteous because we're in him with the righteousness of God. See? Because he is righteous. It's so cool. God, in God's wisdom, he made this so simple for anybody, the lowest common denominator on the planet with no education, with no uh, great willpower, with no great nobility, with nothing to offer, can get this. That's why Jesus said, unless you become as a child, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Because, see, it's not many wise, not many prudent, not many of the scholars get this. It's too simple, too simplistic. And yet, he went to Galilee, to the uneducated, the scripture says. He didn't go to Jerusalem, where the scholars were, where the Pharisees were. He went to Galilee. And the scripture says they were amazed at the wisdom by which these disciples spoke. But they took note that they had been with Jesus. It's awesome. I love the, the passage in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 16, Mark 3, 13 through 16, this is when Jesus was going to call the apostles, when he chose the 12 apostles. And he said in that passage, you know what, let's look at that. It's so cool. Let's read that real quick. In Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 13. Mark 3, verse 13. And he went up to the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve that they might be with him. First thing he says, first thing, they are called to be with him. And only after being with him that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. So you get sent by him with authority only after you've been with him. See? It's so cool. He's called them to be with him first, first and foremost, to be with him. Look at this in Acts 13. This is so cool to see how Paul preached. Acts 13, please. Verse 14. Acts 13. 
Now, this whole thing is amazing. If you get a chance to read verse 14 all the way to verse 43, this is when Paul was, was in this, the synagogue, and um, he, he would always, his burden was always toward his Jewish people, even though he was sent to the Gentiles. But he would always, when he went to a new city, he would stop in the synagogue because his heart was breaking for his people, for his Jewish people to see who their Messiah was. So he sat in the back of the synagogue, and he heard them speak, and as is the custom in the synagogues, uh, after the reading of the scripture, they would say, if there's any brother here who has a word of exhortation to, to give to us, please feel free. Of course, Paul's in the back, and Paul raises his hand, and um, so Paul stands up. So that's what this, the context of this is. So he's speaking in the synagogue of Jewish people, and they've called on him to feel free to speak, and so Paul is speaking. And the whole thing is amazing, but I want you to notice something. If you, if you have your pens uh, or a pencil, um, I'm going to sh- ask you to circle some things. Just, it's, uh, just words that are in here that's really cool. Um, and we'll just jump to the, toward the, the middle of his talk. The first part of his talk, he's given the history of Israel, a summary of how his people have come to where they are. And then he goes into this. Look at the uh, chapter 13, verse 26. Brothers, sons of Abraham's family, those among you who fear God, Now, the reason why he said that is because those among you who fear God was a reference to the Gentiles who were considered proselytes or the Gentiles who had adopted the God of the Jews. Those who fear God is a phrase that means Gentile uh, people who who decided to follow the Jewish faith. So you have the sons of Abraham, the Jews, and those who fear God are the Gentiles in that synagogue who have adopted the Jewish faith. To To us, the word of this salvation is sent out. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him, circle him, nor the utterance of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, fulfill these by condemning him, circle him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, circle him, they asked Pilate that he, circle he, be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, circle him, they took him, circle him, Down from the cross, and they laid him in a tomb. Circle him. But God raised him from the dead. Circle him. And for many days, he, circle he, appeared to those who came up with him. Circle him. From Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his, circle his, witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God has fulfilled this promise to our children and that he raised up Jesus, circle Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, you are my son, circle son, today I have begotten thee. And as for the fact that he raised him, circle him, up from the dead, no more to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you, are, you will not allow thy holy one to undergo to get decay. Circle he there. Verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he, circle he, whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through him, circle him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, circle him, everyone who believes is freed and justified from all things, from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. It's about him. It is about him. Listen to this verse with a whole new light now. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Now listen to it differently. They were asking him the way to the Father. They said, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. Put the emphasis on I am. See, he doesn't give us a way. I am the way. Him. He doesn't just teach us truth like other religious leaders. I am the reality. He doesn't just give us life. I am the life. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Awesome, 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 awesome. Paul said this. Paul said, I I have determined not to know anything among you but Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, and him crucified. He didn't say, I have determined not to know anything among you but the grace of God. I have not determined anything among you but the new covenant. Of course, those things are all true, and those things are all good, but they're only good and true and powerful in him and because of him and for him and by him and through him. You see? And when he says Jesus and him crucified, when he says Jesus crucified, that's a direct reference to the taking away of sin. That's what that's a reference to. Behold the Lamb of God, crucified. Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb speaks of offering, a lamb being offered. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in Paul's mind, it was, it was a proclamation of Jesus himself and the awesome news that our sins have been removed and taken away, never again to be counted against us again. That's what he wanted to focus on. Because Paul knew that if he could establish the church in a relationship with him, and not just with doctrine, but a relationship with him, knowing that their sins were no longer being counted against them ever again because of a high priest who ever lives and who offered himself once for all time, for all sins, for all people, the Spirit of God would take it from there and lead them into all truth, and they would grow in the grace and the knowledge of God their Father. Awesome! It's so cool. See, the simplicity of God but it's profound. It changes everything. They, they, they spoke of the apostles as, as people who have come to the city have turned the world upside down with this message. It is so radical. It's so profound. It's so different from religion. It doesn't even fit the mold of religion. It is, it is other. Other, which is the real meaning of the word holy, by the way. The word holy actually means other, in essence, other. It means other. God is other. He's not like men. He's other. And you're no longer like men either. You are other like he. For he has made you other as he is other. He has made you holy as he is holy. He's made you blameless as he is blameless. You are now other because you're no longer from below but from above. You are from him. Jerusalem above is now your mother. You are other. Awesome. And, that's, and all those truths, those awesome truths, uh, spring from Jesus, from, from himself. Um, even the healings that took place in the book of Acts, the, they, the sick would be healed. And Peter said, do you think about some holiness of our own or some righteousness of our own that this person stands healed before you? He goes, no. He goes, that person is healed because of his faith in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Um, there will be a heightened awareness of, of God's power among us as we focus on Jesus himself. 
It's in the name of Jesus, not, not in the name of grace that people are healed. It's in the name of Jesus. So we, as we preach him, proclaim him, then this grace will explode in us. This awesome grace will explode in us. And we will have our minds renewed so that the wineskin will be formed in us. God's mindset, the mindset on the spirit is life and peace, and the mind, but the mindset on the flesh is death. So that as the spirit renews our mind and our mindset to contain this wine, this life, we'll be able to flow with him. He himself will live through us as we see him and fellowship with him. Jesus said this. He said, as I live by the Father, so shall you live by me. Awesome statement. He lived in a relationship with the Father. You can't have a relationship with doctrine. You cannot have a relationship with the concept of grace. Grace, in essence, is not a doctrine. It is a person. It is him. It is he. Jesus himself is grace personified. He had a relationship with the Father. He yearned to be with the Father. He said things like this, the Father loves the Son and shows him all things. Even so, the Son loves you and me and shows us all things. Remember what he said, as the Father loves me, I love you. Same way. Awesome. He said things like this, the Father's always with me. He never leaves me. And he says that now to us because of his work. I am always with you, even until the end of the world. It's a relationship, awesome relationship with the Christ. John laid his head on his chest. John laid his head on his chest. Heard the heartbeat of God. You can't lay your head on a doctrine. You can lay it on him. You can lay it on him. Casting all our care upon him for he cares for us. You know, one of the things I do a lot is when I'm really overwhelmed with life and just the struggles of being human and the flesh. You know what I do a lot? I just, I just lay my head on his chest. It's awesome. You know what's so cool about that? His chest is always available for me as his son, as his son. You know, people say that when you have a uh, a, when you have a child, a son, or a daughter, it's very important that the father hold the baby to his chest when they're very young, from, from birth to four years old. It's very important that you hold the, the father, mainly the father, hold the baby to the chest of the father. It affirms the baby. It affirms the, the chest is a picture of strength and authority from the father. It's very important to hold that baby at the chest. That's why the scripture revealed John laying on Jesus' chest because we're all children in God's eyes. We're all his children. He wants us to rest on his strength. And, they, and people say that, that is, that's what makes the child grow up secure and affirmed. And, um, see, I, I, I struggle with some things because I, I have no memory of my dad ever holding me. I'm sure he probably did, but I have no memory of it. I have no memory of my dad ever telling me that he loved me. I'm sure he, he I know he loved me. He, he worked hard. He was that generation that didn't show affection. They didn't know how to show affection. He did what he could. He worked very hard for the family, took care of things, you know, but as he got older, he got more affectionate. Like my younger brother received more affection from my, my dad than I did. And I used to look at that and yearn for that. 
I used, to, I used to see how my dad was more affectionate with my younger brother because he learned through time that he should be more affectionate. So important, so important. And so now, you know, and, and all of our fathers and mothers are weak, just like we're weak. We're fathers and mothers, and we, we're weak. But the good news is that God is my daddy. And I can lay my head on his chest. It's awesome. A new creation, a son, an heir. And I determined for my two boys, for Kobe and Jake. Oh, they're watching, by the way, I think. Hey, Kobe. Hey, Jake. I determined when, from a young, young age, I wanted to hold them every day and tell them I love them every day. And um, I, still, I still get Kobe. I, I, I do this little trick with Kobe. I go, Kobe, you know what? He goes, what? I love you. He goes, ah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Only once in about 100 times did he go, you love me, right? <laughs> I always do it like I'm about to tell him some news, like, Kobe, you know what? What? I love you. <laughs> and Jake, Jake's, they're such different personalities, Jake. I love you, Jake. I love you too, Daddy. Just the best. It's the best. Relationship with him. He is with us. He is in us. Ah, the wineskin. You know, even Jesus himself said the only thing he gave us really to do in terms of some, something to do I guess, is with the bread and the wine on a continual basis. And even that, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Even that, see? Remember me. And what that does, saints, is um, not only does it make our message pure because we're not preaching just a concept of grace or a concept of the new covenant or a concept of the gift of righteousness, which are all true concepts, which are all true in him. But not only does it make us have a pure gospel, a pure proclamation of him, but what it does is it really um, allows us to really experience him living through us. I can't explain it with the right words, but I know this, that when we focus on, when we ask the Father to really reveal that Jesus is really inside of us, See, Paul says, you know, we're not those who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. See, if you're, if you're, if you're established with just doctrine, you're, it's easy to be tossed to and fro. But the next part of that verse, that chapter, Paul says, but we are being built up unto the knowledge of the Son of God. You see? Being built up in Him, in the knowledge of of Jesus, not just doctrines, because if, you, if all of you, all we have is just doctrines of grace, doctrines of new covenant, then, you know, 
Someone maybe could talk you out of it. Someone could make you worry about this or that. But when you know him, and all your revelation springs from him, as Paul says, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. See, when that happens, there's a stability, there's a, there's a rest, there's a rest in him. Your message will be him, and you'll explain him. Even Jesus, when he opened their understanding of the scriptures, what did he, what did he do? He opened their understanding of the scriptures that they might see that it is him that is in all the scriptures. He said, you search the scriptures and you think that you have in these scriptures eternal life. You think that you have in this doctrine, doctrines in this book, you have life. You Pharisees, you search the scriptures and you think that in these scriptures you have life, but they speak of me and you won't come to me that you might have life. It's awesome. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And what is the next thing he said? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets and the Psalms, he revealed the things concerning himself hidden in the scriptures. And sometimes we read that verse and we think, oh, that's just the scriptures that talk about his coming, you know, like he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem and, you know, so we know he's the real Messiah. No, that's true, but it's much deeper than that. Everything speaks of him. Paul got this revelation, saints. This is, this is what will catapult you and I into a walk in the spirit where he himself is living through us. It's awesome. Paul got this revelation. He said, to live is Christ. To live is Christ himself. I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in this body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I tell you, saints, there's a, it's just right there, this greater understanding of that, how he is inside of me. And because he's inside of me, he loves me. He's with me always. He wants to talk to me. He wants me to talk to him. He wants me to walk with him. He wants to walk with me. And then from that Intimacy, just one little step. It's like, oh my gosh, he's living through me. It's so cool. It's not a hard thing. This is not for the super spiritual. This is for those who are like children who say, I don't know. Like the blind man said, I don't know if he's from God or not. I just know that once I was blind and now I see. And the Pharisee says, give glory to God. Why, why are you giving glory to this man? Because he made me see. And then he said, are you so blind? Has it ever been heard of a man who was born blind, was made to see? Who do you think this is? Jesus. Jesus is with us. Doesn't take education. Doesn't take willpower. Doesn't take money. Silver and gold we have not, Peter said but such as we have, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And they took note that they had been with Jesus because in him is the forgiveness of all sin. In him is the gift of righteousness. In him is access by one spirit to the Father. In him is a whole new world. In him is a whole new world, a kingdom that he has brought to us, a realm that, can, that is inside of us now by the Spirit, a whole new world where God, the God of the universe, is now our Papa. That's a new world. 
where there is no condemnation. That's a new world. Where there is no striving to earn God's love, that's a new world. Where there is a gift of righteousness, which is the very righteousness of God, it's a new world within. For the kingdom of heaven shall be within you, righteousness and peace and joy in the spirit of God because of him, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. God's wisdom was to put everything in Christ. Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. God's wisdom was to put everything in Christ. He gathered together everything that he might blot out all flesh on the tree. Much like Noah's Ark, a picture of the work of Christ on the cross as God blotted out all flesh, there was a boat that went through judgment to another world. In the same way, those who believe on him receive what he has done, and they are joined to him. It's by the hand of God, the scripture says, that we've been placed in Christ because you have believed on him. Because you have believed, then what he did for you and I is given to you. He came to his own, his own received him not. But to whoever receives him, to them it is given the right to be called the children of God. Because you have received him, the Father placed you in him. And now your life is hidden with Christ inside God, in the Father. That's your life. That's my life. He is the way. He is the truth, the real and he is the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. What a great mystery that God would sum up all things in Christ that we might rest. This is what was predestined before the world was, not individual saints as it, as it is taught in some circles. God didn't predestine individuals. He, pre he predestined a son. He predestined that he would adopt sons and daughters of God by being placed in him. He predestined the way of how he would make a family. It would not be by their own efforts or by their works. It would be by being placed in him. So all who would believe would be placed in him and because of him made righteous. That's what was predestined. For God predestined the Son before the foundation of the world. The Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have eternal life. That was what was predestined. Christ and the way of grace was predestined and the way of faith, grace and faith through Christ, always, from the very beginning. And you, you and I have believed. God has come to us. and now inside of us. And Jesus says, the Father has ordained that all that he gives me, I that I should lose nothing. 
All that the Father gives him, the Son, which are those who believe on him. All who believe on him. The Son says, I should lose no one. What a rest. What a rest. That's the Lord's words. Everyone who comes to him, I will in no wise cast out. Everyone who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out, Jesus says. And we who have believed, he goes, I will in no way lose a single one. Awesome. Yes. He has so circumcised our heart, the scripture says that we're better off than Adam was. We're not just put back to the innocence of Adam. If he did only that, then the next sin would need another savior. He did something far greater than Adam. Adam was a living soul, but the last Adam came, the Lord from heaven, Paul says, and he was a life-giving spirit. Adam was from below, a living soul of the dust, but the last Adam is from heaven. We come from that Adam, the last Adam, who is a life-giving spirit, not just a living soul on earth, the Lord from heaven. You are his offspring. You are the sons and daughters of God. You once were not a people. I was once not a part of his people, but now I am his people. I am part of that holy nation, that royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You know what the, you know what the population of New Jerusalem looks like? The population of New Jerusalem, you know what it looks like? You! You and I are the population among millions around the world who have believed on this one, who have believed on the Christ. We are the population of the new Jerusalem, soon to be revealed to the world as the sons and daughters of God, and they will be amazed. The scripture says they, they, will, they could not believe that they, my God, they are the sons and daughters of God, because outwardly we look the same. But inwardly, if you could see what you and I really look like, you would be shocked. Pleasantly shocked. Not bad shocked. Uh, the unfathomable riches in Christ Paul talks about, but they're in Christ. We pro- proclaim him. We preach him. And the Spirit leads us into all truth about this awesome covenant. Oh, I almost forgot. What I was going to say is, well, I think I said some of this, but it's really important, saints, that um, we're talking about him living through us when we see this, this focus, it's, that it's all about him. What's really important is that as the Spirit forms this new wineskin in our minds, the new mindset to contain the life, the Spirit of, of life that is in Christ Jesus, Jesus himself, his life, which is the wine, as this happens, what also really becomes real to us, which allows, him living, which allows the living through us, what becomes really real to us is what the son had. And that was this thinking that apart from the father, I can do nothing. Apart from the father, I can do nothing. He said the son can do nothing. The father within him, he said, my father does the works. My father speaks the words. This will become so real to us, saints. You and I will become so, so dependent on him. Um, 
it's a joyful dependence. It's not a fearful dependence. It's a joyful dependence. It's like, it's a rest. That's why he said his yoke is easy, his burden is light, because it's not me trying to perform, but it's him living his life through me as I live in this complete dependence. That's why Jacob, Jacob was um, wrestling with the angel. You know, we wrestle with things all the time. We wrestle, we wrestle, we try to, you know, we're, we're afraid of Esau, the flesh. We're afraid of our own flesh more than we are of things in the world. We're afraid of ourselves. And he wrestled with the angel as he tried to give gifts to Esau. He was about to cross the river and he wrestled. And he, and he held on to God, you know, held on to the angel, a picture of God. And he held on and he said, I won't let you go till you bless me. Not realize, realizing that he'd already been blessed. Remember the scripture? He blessed, God already blessed Jacob. So he's holding on to God, praying that God would bless him when God had already blessed him. Say, we don't know. We don't know. Just like in the beginning, he goes, God is in this place and I knew it not. We don't, know we, were, we don't know we're blessed. We don't know God's in this place. We don't know we're blessed. We don't know. We don't know. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Remember? Awareness, awareness, awareness. So he's, he hells on. And what does God do? God showed me that what he did, he had to get Jacob to let go of him so God could hold Jacob. You see? We're holding with white knuckles, God, help me, God, bless me. And God is going, And he hits, he touches the strongest part of a man, his thigh. And the angel goes, Jacob, you don't see, you don't understand. Touches his thigh. Let's go. And then he sees the face of God, the scripture says. Now Jacob walked with a limp, leaning on his staff. Even blessing the sons of Jacob, he leaned on a staff, Hebrews says. Leaning on his staff, he blessed the 12 sons of Jacob, the tribes of Israel. Now Jacob knows, he understands, and that's when he got his new name. You shall be called Israel, a prince with God and with men, because now you're not leaning on your own strength. God has, takes no pleasure, the scripture says, in the strength of the legs of a man. The prophet says God takes no pleasure in the legs of a man, the strength of a man. God takes no pleasure in the man who can pull himself up by his bootstraps and be a man. God takes no pleasure in that. God wants a man to say, I cannot do it. Without you, I am nothing. That's what God takes pleasure in. And so here's Jacob leaning, and he sees for the first time the face of God, and he sees himself, who he is. I'm really Israel. And then he crosses over the river, and Esau is at peace with him. The flesh is no longer a problem. Awesome. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for teaching us your way. Grace is not a concept. It is a person. Jesus, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen.